Hey guys, what is up? Uh, my name is Jacob, and I am here with my friend Jordan, and he is the co-host, as well as I am, of How American Music Was Made. What? Yeah, well... Well, basically... So, we're going to start off with the 1950s. Season 1. Uh, so, let's just, before we jump into whatever um, the the artists for this episode uh let's just talk about the structure um each podcast will be a different um a different artist uh throughout uh the 1950s for season one season two 1960s etc um uh, each episode we're going to be talking about one person in specific and yeah and uh our overall goal for you listeners out there is to take this information and and this is really going to anyone but like just to teach you but musicians out there, you know, maybe you can maybe you can like listen in a bit on on the, how these people got started, and hopefully it gives you motivation, inspiration, to make some, yeah, yeah, or inspiration, whatever, man. You really had the second cut me there, but whatever. But uh, but inspiration or motivation to to basically you know write your own music and get out there and and be as famous as these guys because nothing is impossible. All right. Well, I think you covered it up. All right, let's start. All right. So, um, so we're going to start off with one of history's favorites. He was in Back to the Future. He was in, well, he wasn't, he wasn't in Back to the Future. Music his music was in, was in Back, Back to, to the, the future. future. We're going to start off with Chuck Berry. Yeah. All right. So, All right. so go we're going to begin. He was born October 18th, 1926 in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, um, his spouse was Thameta Suggs, uh, born in 2017, which is when they were married. Um, he had he had he I, had I'm, multiple children. Had multiple children: Ingrid Berry, Charles Berry Jr., uh, Aloha Berry, Melody X's Berry Eskridge. Uh, he had a very famous nickname, which was the father of rock and roll, which is a very interesting title because. We try to do a lot of research on. Yeah. We try going. to do a lot of research on uh, the father of rock and roll, or the person who made rock and roll, who started it all. And through that, we were able to determine that it's not possible to honestly know, really, because there's throughout throughout the nineteen whatever nineteen thirties nineteen forties. This was all developing, and everyone had an equal contribution to the final rock and roll project. So, in all honesty, the father of rock and roll, there really is none. But we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, because he does make good music. So, we are going to call him the father of rock and roll. We are not going to... Well, people called him the father of rock and roll. Not specifically. We are not people making... We are not making... (laughs) Yeah, we are not people. Good job, bro. We are not making the in- we are not making the facts. We are just stating them, reading them out loud. Information we have researched uh, for quite a while. This is not stuff that we're pulling out of our heads, people. Good job. All right. So, <laughs> um, better consider. It. All right. As a teen, he was sent to prison for three years for an armed robbery. Which is actually kind of crazy because you'd expect as a famous musician and such a perfect and, life, and yeah. you'd expect a, a perfect life. But everyone should get to know this is that you no don't have to have perfect. a perfect life to become famous. And uh, I mean, armed robbery is a big thing out there. But you know what? It doesn't, you know, if you made mistakes in your past, 
you know, you could still push through them. But let's go on. No one's perfect. All right. Yeah, he had his parents growing up with uh, Marth and Henry. Uh, gr- he grew up in North St. Louis. St. Louis. My bad. Good job. In man. a neighborhood called The Ville. He grew up in a very segregated town. The neighborhood was so segregated that he didn't encounter a white person until age three when he saw multiple white firemen. Okay, let's right. just well, yeah, let's sit back let's and just think about how think about America that. has evolved and. And the amount of cha- I don't want to get political. Uh, yeah, here, let's but. not get that political. But I'm, I, you know, it's it's very upsetting to hear that that was. It took him three years to see a white person, and I mean, and the same thing I would say towards if this was happening to a black, uh, you know, like to a like towards person, a white person and the first time they see a black person. But but what's what's crazy is the fact that. Well, this this is going to be a very um crazy uh, piece of information as we go later on so yes stick in here just um, remember that he lived in a segregated segregated town it's gonna be and it's it's just that was the that was the thing back then uh what this um thinking about this uh this could have influenced um his perspective on uh race and segregation uh as both his parents were grandchildren of slaves him being a great grandchild of a slave so let's um let's let's uh Think about the way his music might have interpolated. Fun facts. Music was not his only go-to hobby back when he was a kid. He also enjoyed photography, which he got from his uncle, and uh, carpentry, which he did work for with his father. You know, that's it's, it's not that interesting, but to see that music wasn't all this guy did or yeah. wrote or anything like that it kind of adds to the perspective that he was a person and not a perfect human being you know yeah you can compare it to athletes and they're like um, plenty of football players baseball players even soccer players um that are they play professionally but as a kid even in high school like they played other sports as well like uh baseball players who played basketball and soccer in high school but then later they chose one specific thing so Alright. Uh, yeah, that was very, very touching. Man. So, he, but he did show a very early talent for music as he did sing in his church choir at age six. And that is a little crazy considering that, you know, at the age of six that, uh, that he was already, you know, singing and it's a very young age to start at music. A lot of, yeah. people, you know, a lot of kids, they start around 10, 12 but at six years old, like, I can't even recall when I was six years old half the stuff that I did. No. And, and he was able to sing in a church choir. Yeah. People may be like, la, 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 blah, 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 blah. Um, maybe, like, nod their head to music, bang on pots and pans. But um, as a, as a six-year-old and doing something so big, uh, there are plenty of other um, musicians I know, like uh, maybe some more uh, current people. They, all, they also start in their church choir. Yes. So. Um, uh, so. he attended the Sumner High School. It was a prestigious private institution, which was the first all-black high school in the west of Mississippi. For the school's annual talent show, he sung Jay McShann's Confessing the Blues with his friend who played the guitar. Their performance sparked interest of learning the guitar himself, he st- and he started lessons soon after. Can we, um... Take a take a moment here. Um, he didn't start playing guitar. It's such a such a important instrument in guitar. Maybe if you think of 
if you think of rock and roll, what instrument do you think of? Drums, yeah, but also guitar as yeah, well. Yeah, so guitar is a big fact it's in a, it. And uh, not starting until high school is it's it's crazy. It is really crazy, then, and and also take into account that that at at that age, like. Uh, and I'm not saying that you you can't learn guitars, but so, he it's is complete he's known he is he's known as one of the world's most famous guitarists from that time, and uh, and to say, a lot of a lot of famous musicians a lot, and I'm talking about going all like all like even today, a lot of people start playing piano, start playing guitar, start playing drums. They start doing this around like around like ten, nine, not in high school. Even younger. So to yeah. to be able to, and it's like I said before, it's not a big thing, but it's just incredible to see how he picked himself off, like starting in high school, and it also gives you an interesting perspective on how he, uh, how, in high school he realized what he wanted to do, and not later on in life. It's it's just something to show really how um. How you can you can start something new, something you're passionate about, any point in life. You could want to do something, but you're stalling because oh, I'm too old. Oh, I won't. I don't have the time. No, try do that thing. Be passionate about that thing and go for it. Doesn't matter your age. Go for it. You might become successful in that area, and you'll enjoy it. So, so he he studied with local jazz uh, legend Ira Harris. Um, although Speak- he was. He was a troublemaker in high school. He wasn't interested in his studies and felt constrained uh, by the strict rules of the school. Um, many people uh, feel constrained, but I, it's very uh, lucky for us in the, the genre of rock and roll that um, he pushed through it. Alright, so, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, even though he, you know, he wasn't yeah okay so barry and his two friends dropped out of high school and went on a road trip to california but they didn't reach past kansas city where they found a pistol in a parking lot soon after they used that pistol to rob stores for money and took a car after that they got pulled over by a cop and uh and they received a maximum penalty of 10 years in jail despite being minors when you're a minor you're supposed to get I mean, and and a first crime, uh, uh, a first uh, conviction or whatever. You're supposed to get a little leeway from the court, unless it's something major like, oh, you killed someone or something like that. But we did, but like armed robbery though. It is yes, and it is armed robbery. But at the same point, like, uh, like uh, what's it called? Even today, there's many plea bargains where they'll give them maybe like the least amount of a sentence because they'll understand, like, like you know. Uh, if they needed money and stuff like that, that's also a, a plea bargain. Depending on how, how well you can put that to, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, but um, uh, the yeah. the the mindset they must have had. They they did it multiple times, of course. Um, they they really just want to keep on going. Um, was they was their conviction up for ten sentences? Um, could that have been influenced by their race? Maybe we don't want to say, but it ha- it was segregated times. So, but I don't want to get into anything too political now, especially during the times now. So, uh, let's move on. All right, Barry served three years and was released on account of good behavior. On a, uh, I'm assuming October eighteenth, nineteen forty-seven. Good behavior. His twenty-first birthday, interestingly enough. Uh, 
Well, I just want to put that out there that that for three years to actually be in jail and and is a I mean obviously I can't even imagine how much stuff this guy had to go through, but not only that but he was supposed to serve ten years which makes you think how good was this guy like like how how did he turn his life around from and and not saying that robbing stores is. You know, is like, oh, you're a murderer already, but like, you know, you're you're stealing, and it's it's just a bad mindset. Ten years though. And ten years to be put down to three and be able to get out and and to start uh, to start back right back where he left off, to his career, uh, to well, he not even a career, but he went he went to work as soon as he got out. He continued carpentry and uh, and photography as well as being a janitor at a local auto plant. And he took up the guitar again when his high school friend Tommy Stevenson invited him to join a band where they placed at, uh, there they played at a local black nightclub where he received a reputation for his lively showmanship. So now we can see that after after being put in jail actually matured him, I guess, enough where he was out of that I want to be a bad boy kind of attitude into a more of a, okay, I'm, t- I'm done with you know, I'm done with the thug life or whatever, yeah. <laughs> and I wanna I wanna pursue what I wanted to do. You could see from when we were reading his facts in the past. I mean, he definitely had a musical interest in mind, and to see him starting to pursue that is, you know, a little bit like it's a little bit crazy after all the stuff that he's been through, mm-hmm. uh, being in jail already what uh, three years of his life, and now he's he picked himself mm-hmm. up. He started playing the guitar right back where he was learning, and uh, and he started gaining a reputation around town, which is very good because it definitely helped him launch his music career. Let's um think about we we read earlier he uh, he really disliked high school, right? We we said yes. that he he felt pressured whatever, but um if then it's it, he he really um he he really must be thinking his years in high school all the people he met just really helped get his life back in order. Imagine if he didn't go... Imagine if he didn't go to high school. He just dropped out the second he started hating it. No, he kept pushing through it. He's, he kept doing it. In the end, yes, he did drop out, but he, he met people along the way to help then encourage him later in life to get back right on that track. Imagine if he dropped out. He, his life, we wouldn't know him as today. He wouldn't be known as the father of rock and roll, as a nickname at least. All right, so moving on. In mid-1950s, he began to take trips to Chicago in search of record contracts. He was told by Muddy Waters, a blues musician, to go to Chess Records, where he later wrote the song May Bellin, which he gave to Czech Records, and it reached the number one on the R&B charts and number five on the pop charts. That, that's crazy. His first song, his first song given to, a, to, to an actual record label, it, it blew up. So it, it's... And he started receiving contracts every two months and stuff like that. It, that is impressive to like the most beyond point i can't even express how how it's not even luck it's it's just skill he knew what the people wanted he he was you know he uses his knowledge Mm -hmm. and he was able to create something that that Mm -hmm. a lot of people nowadays and i'm not pointing out offense but but you know america if you haven't noticed kind of lost their touch in what what you know uh decently sounding music is compared to just 
words being spitted out of people's mouths, you know? Yeah. I mean, sure. There's a, there's a touch to some it. Some people, yeah. There's a touch to it. There's a soul in it. And he was pouring his soul into the music. And obviously, it was giving him a good turnout as people actually liked it. Yep. Um, uh, many people believe that Maybellin was, is what, the first rock and roll song. He quickly followed with more songs in the new genre of rock and roll. In the late 1950s, many of his songs included Johnny Be Good. Uh, that, uh, that reference to Back to the Future is really uh, <laughs> coming back. Sweet Little Sixteen and Carol, all in equal popularity throughout all races. Re- remember that fact of um, not seeing a white person till the age of three. Yes, that is very nuts how segregated his his neighborhood was and now equal between uh african-americans and what in caucasians just equally enjoying something what that that's just a step in the right direction again don't want to be political but nowadays that we really need something like that we need to focus back on what the people enjoyed back then and maybe we can go play some chuck berry maybe people will so what what I what I hear Big from sentences. this is basically that that not only did he like did he write uh, songs and he's basically but basically if you think about it to go from such a segregated community to a community where like uh, not a community he's but he's just been he's just in the open world but it, from from what he's adapted to and learned as he grew up in a segregated town. You think he would? You think that? I mean, like, and I don't want to place fingers here because some people they just don't they don't get that mentality where they have to follow in daddy and mommy's footsteps or something like that. And I'm not saying that the dad or mom were you know racist towards white people. As, as dad well. and dad or mom and mom. Uh, just want I just want to be inclusive to everyone. Um, but uh, but uh, what's it called? So I mean. It just to go from that mentality that he really the, this is a quote that he said he said I made records for people who would buy them no ethnic no political I don't want that never did do you know how crazy it is for someone to say that that all he was he was trying to put out there that he wanted one thing and to sell his music he did not care who it was sold to he did not care what what he just wanted to make the world yes. a better place he just That's- wanted to make the world a better place he just wanted to release his music and he just wanted to have some fun while he was doing it. And that is very good. I mean, you know, especially in that time, it's, it's crazy that he, that he was able to move past such like a dark, a dark time crazy. in history. And it was able to push music and give it to everyone and not just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's... Think about the times there were. We see in school like videos of what, how bad it was, how segregated the world was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, uh, so he released one of his last albums in 1979, uh, and sadly, like I mean, he went on. He went. He went on up until 2017. He was he was still there. He was still you know I mean not performing live as much, but he was still in the music figure. And he was definitely he was definitely still performing live. And even though he might have not been creating new music, he was still there to boost the morale of 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 people and giving them like 
uh, I want to say, um, just, just a remnant of what kind of music they used to have, you know? Like, uh, like 1960s, 19, or, ni- he, he was around from 1950 to 1990, really, that was when he was on, in On and off popularity, of course, from going to jail. Yes, he, you know. He's been to jail multiple times. But each time he, each time he learned he something, back. he came back a better person, and, uh, and he continued to climb to the top. He never, he never failed to climb to the top. With that much effort, he never failed. And that is why uh, he's remembered as a founding father and a pioneer of rock and roll and has influenced many ger- generations of musicians. Um, Thank he, you, God. He sadly died in... At the age of 91 in, in Wentzville, Missouri. March 18th, 2017. He will be remembered in great spirits. And I hope this podcast gave you a little bit to think about and we will see you guys in the next podcast. Make sure to follow us uh, see, to see more updates. And, yep, keep us in mind. See you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed. Bye. Thank you.